Yeah, hello. Episode number 18. 18. 18. The Age yes. of Majority. And uh, we're going to introduce our, our good friend uh, from Holland. But first of all, I want you, VJ, to introduce yourself in your full glory. Yeah, okay. Uh, this is me, the glorious VJ from uh, Holland. Fine, I'm, whatever well, well, then. The, okay. the Netherlands. I don't think... Good God. So somebody yeah. was... I was attending a training and someone was asking me, okay, introduce yourself, where are you from? And I said, okay, I'm Vijay, I'm from Netherlands. And everybody was like, oh, okay, that's that's decent enough because you don't need to zoom into that, then telling which city I'm from. So it doesn't matter for Netherlands, I think. Oh, they're going to kick me out now. Fuck. Okay. Um, no, but, it's just me, but, but you're not really from the Netherlands, are you? No, no, just, no. I'm you're living, you're broadcasting <clears throat> from the Netherlands. Yeah, yeah. But Currently residing. Become, yeah. Currently residing in Den Haag, actually, uh, I think um, 200 meters away from the sea. So Really? Yeah. Watch out. It was uh, it was beautiful, by the way, today. We had lots of snow uh, here oh. today in, uh, in The Hague. It was white beach, beautiful. Very rare occurrence. I think in six years ago, we had uh, lots of snow. I thought it would usually but, uh, be a white time. beach there, though. Uh, well, <laughs> sandy. It's not oh, completely sorry, I white, thought though. I meant the people, but okay. Yeah. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's true. That's white, true. and then maybe yeah. sometimes quite red. I would think, probably, <laughs> if it is too hot. Yeah. Okay, I'm not yeah. going to say anything, but they're going to kick me out, man. No, all right. Uh, okay. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, okay. I, don't, I don't think they're listening. Okay, so yeah, I'm Ray McDermott from Belgium, and we've got our special guest um, on Mr. Hiss from the Netherlands. Introduce yourself, Hiss. Yes, I am Gijs. I'm also in the Netherlands. I'll specify that I'm in Amsterdam, where I live. And it's also been a white day here too, due to the snow and cold as well. Right. So, Hiss, you're another one of these guys who nobody can pronounce their names apart from yourself, yeah? Yeah. So, what, what uh, you, 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 you call yourself the geezer, the geezer. So, from now on, we can just call you geezer or the geese. Is that right? Well, you have to keep trying to say Gijs correctly. And then... <laughs> <laughs> but are you going to judge me if I say Geis and... Well, that's close enough. What, what, is, that close, is that good? Yeah? Yeah. Okay. Because I live in, yeah. I live in uh, Belgium. We have uh, like a weak version of Dutch called Flemish, obviously. And uh, they, they don't really have the strong <laughs> that, the, that the Dutch do. So I don't get used to that. Well, they don't even have yeah. the G in most of the Netherlands. Well, like half of it doesn't have it either. So Oh, really? Okay. Even for okay. the Netherlands, my name is... Uh, only known by half of the people. So. Yeah. I have run into this before. <laughs> I have a very uh, internationally unfriendly first name and then the last name as well. Because it has like a W in it, but it's not a W. It's like a U and then yeah. another U. So that's yeah. also convenient. So, Gijs, uh, it is then. Yes. Did I say it correctly? <laughs> yeah, yeah, perfect. Yeah. Uh, out of 10, <laughs> what are you going to give him, Gijs? Well, my name, I always go for good enough. This one qualifies as good enough. <laughs> it's so hard to please Dutch people. Damn it. Okay. Uh, so, uh, Gijs, uh, can you give us some idea about your closure experience? Of course, I know you uh, from uh, Amsterdam Closure Meetup. And also, uh, you gave a couple of talks at uh, uh, at the Meetup as well as the last Dutch Closure Day. So, you're involved in the in the closure community in general. So can you give us about your experience? Where, where do you work? How did you get into closure? Your yeah, sure. biography, essentially. <laughs> All right. Well, then we have to go back. I was a student. Okay, no, hold on, hold on, hold on. Not that far back, okay? <laughs> <laughs> 
Well, and you're, just, quite, uh, you're quite young, aren't you? You're quite young, so okay, screw it. Well, yeah. I, I think I'm the youngest here today, but I'm 32. <laughs> <laughs> okay, well, give it, give okay. it, give it, give it every 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 three or four years. You know, give us in those chunks. Yeah. Well, we're limited by the history of closure itself, I guess, for it to be relevant. So yeah. then we are in. Uh, I was a student studying computer science, and then uh, I did a class on uh, functional programming. And I really quite liked that. And it was a mm -hmm. nice uh, contrast to all the other courses I took. And from there, mm -hmm. I started to look online for other functional programming languages and eventually mm -hmm. also stumbled on Clojure. Mm -hmm. And yeah, that's really how I got started. The first thing what, I did... What, what, did they use, uh, what did they use for FP in your university? Did they use Scheme or did they use something else, Lispy, or was it uh, something No, else? It, was, uh, it was something called Miranda, which is oh, like, Miranda. A, ah, ML, cool. uh, like a Haskell yeah. syntax. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, the coolest thing it had is that it was a really simple uh, program where you could run your uh, Miranda programs, but it also had a very simple mm -hmm. like GUI language, like a little stack-based, draw this, then that, then that, then that, then that. Mm -hmm. So you could make very uh, nice little UIs with it as well. And it was a very right. nice contrast mm -hmm. to all the Java things we did and aspect-oriented programming and all sorts <laughs> of more convoluted uh, stuff. Okay. Which, which university was that? This was in Twente, in the east of the Netherlands. Oh, okay, cool. Oh, we're going east now. That's cool. Okay. But um, anyway, uh, so you you started with closure then after after your university? Well, uh, uh, during so uh, okay. the, uh, one big thing I did I had to do my master thesis and build a little tool for that as well. And mm -hmm. I started using uh, Scala because this was in a, oh. a plugin for Eclipse, the editor. I used mm -hmm. Scala, but it went nowhere. And then I used the Clojure instead, and that went uh, quite well. Mm -hmm. And uh, at my university, you you learned Java already. So then Clojure is, uh, okay. is a good fit as well. So that was the first okay. thing I did. Okay. So how did your experience with Clojure progress then after that? Well, then I was, uh, after my master's, I was, of course, done. And then I had to look for a job. Yeah. So I was yeah. like, I'd like to work with Clojure. But yeah. uh, that... Uh, failed or at least I could not find a closure <laughs> job at that time so instead yeah. I went to work at a, uh, a Ruby on Rails uh, well website made with Ruby on Rails at a little oh, startup okay yeah well it was it was quite nice I was there for a year and uh, I learned a lot mm -hmm. about just uh, you know keeping websites online it was quite nice yeah. yeah and I was able to sneak in some closure code on the back end to uh, <laughs> something that uh, every week had to import some CSV files so we did that with closure at some point Ah, okay. So that was quite okay. nice. Yeah. Cool. And then after that job, okay. I, I did only closure work. So that okay, so right now you're working for a closure company or you're doing freelancing or what, what are you working on these days? Well, uh, last year I was freelancing. I had a, a gig, but it uh, mm -hmm. ended a bit abruptly at the end of last year. Yeah. So for the last uh, month and a half, I have not been uh, working at all. Okay. Ah, so people can hit you people people can hit you up when they hear this show or are you just yeah. about to start a new gig? Oh, uh, I should have been looking but I have not yet <laughs> been doing that. So uh, <laughs> if you need a closure programmer in Amsterdam or remote then uh, yeah, do get in contact. Yeah. Cool. Excellent. So you okay. heard here first. Yeah. Okay. So um, during during the closure work, what what kind of um, applications that you are working on when you are working on closure? Well, they're all in the at least some sort of a web-based backend thing. Mm -hmm. So there was one that uh, was uh, advertisements on mobile phones. Mm -hmm. There was a, a medical database uh, system. 
Yeah. Yeah. Sort of like a, almost like a Datomic-esque structure for medical data. Okay. Uh, an educational startup to, uh, kids, okay. uh, to teach kids math. That was quite nice. Yeah. And yeah. then a, uh, uh, like a closure script front-end dashboard for, for a bit of a, what do you call it, uh, sort of trading application. Okay, well, that's pretty diverse uh, domains. Yeah, that's but all uh, web-based. Yeah. Yeah. Sorry? They're all web-based, mostly. Uh, okay. So you were doing mostly the back-end stuff, Ges, uh, or were you doing the uh, the front-end closure script stuff as well? Uh, usually both. Depending right. the you're, you're a full-stack guy. Full-stack. Yeah. yeah, I suppose. But not. Uh, <laughs> I'm not an expert in, uh, in databases, so I cannot do... Uh, well, I, of course, I can put up a database, but I wouldn't call yeah. myself like a SQL expert or something. So oh. I was always but quite. Days, uh, I was quite happy days, to have. A, just sorry, go ahead. I would prefer there to be like a, a dedicated DevOps guy or something there. Yeah, I know my way around <laughs> that, but to be responsible for 100% uptime—that's. Uh, <laughs> no, that, that's a myth. There is no 100% uptime. Well, I think these days, anyway, you just need to plug into some like backend as a service, and you're all good. You know, don't worry about those guys. You know, just buy the DevOps. Mm. You know, that's a <laughs> yeah. isn't that the way to do it these days? I think you can, but it's uh, very expensive and a bit opaque, perhaps. So, yeah, that's true. If it does go wrong, then who do you call? Amazon. Just blame Amazon. I mean, it, it, it's nice, right? Because if you're hosting it on Amazon, like if your site is down, then essentially like 90% of the internet is down anyway. Yeah, so you can just blame like, yeah. fuck it, yeah. <laughs> like, <laughs> then you send the link to the status board and everything is green check marks. And <laughs> exactly. And then you say, okay, everything is down. But uh, yeah, I think the database thing is interesting because uh, remember recently the GitLab guys had some uh, unfortunate situation that they deleted production data from uh, yeah, Postgres. So. I saw that. <laughs> yeah. But I, but I love that... Um, I think uh, the, the guy was also on Hacker News, so they're, they're, they're posting the postmortem of the situation, and then somebody commented that, oh my god, the guy who deleted the database must be, you know, like devastated or something, and then he just commented, it's me and I'm still here, and if you okay. click on his, his profile, he just changed his description. It used to be database expert, and then it, he has now database, in the parenthesis, removal expert. Yeah, <laughs> I saw that too. That's amazing. Yeah. I, I, I love, I love the you know the the way that they are treating it. Yeah, that, that, that's how it should be. You know, shit happens. So exactly, exactly. I like this. Uh, yeah. There was a there's a a nice Twitter account I follow from uh, Erica Joy, and she said uh, mm -hmm. hug ops to the guys. So I thought, yeah, hug ops is nice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's what you want. Yeah, hug ops. Yeah. But just reading that story was a lot of like sweating. Just reading that story, yeah. you're like sweating, like, oh my God, I know where this is going. And then like, oh no, that, that gut feeling like, oh my God, crap. Yeah. <laughs> you can you can put some background music to the story while you're reading it. Like, dun, 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 dun. Yeah. <laughs> I had this at my first job too, actually. Oh, I had a little cool. like side job at the university. It was like mm. a... a, a this little company that makes like these websites for the local uh, other companies, and then, like the first day, I got put on some project like in the database. Please uh, add these people or something. And then the first thing I did was accidentally remove the wrong row. So then I had to go okay. back to like the boss, like, oh, uh, I, del I deleted something, I think. And 
And then he's like, no, it's all right. I made a backup before you started. So then I was like, ah, oh, <laughs> yes, great. <laughs> but I do wonder, like, did he, does he always do that? Or was he like, I don't trust you that much. So I'm just going to put one in. For <laughs> Yeah. Or maybe he, he, he gives you the connection details to like playing database. Yeah, and yeah, actually, it wasn't you know, even real to begin with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Might have well been. <laughs> it was a good lesson to learn on day one. So. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But um, anyway, let's get back to closure then. So um, I think uh, obviously the, the, the first question is Emacs or um, oh my God. Uh, some other shit. <laughs> oh my God. <laughs> well, that's easy. Emacs. Uh, there you go. That's it. Yeah, I think I think we're done. I think he's the he's, he's my favorite guest again. So <laughs> that's that's pre- that's pretty much what we wanted to ask in the in the podcast. Like, yeah, he's, he says he max. He just done. Anyway, so you, um, you don't you don't want to be productive then because <laughs> <laughs> you don't want any joy in your life. <laughs> I don't think I have to be here for this part. I suppose <laughs> just the two of you. <laughs> it's it's the you know it's okay i think uh Heis, you need to um you need to humor the um, people with lesser power tools i don't i think they have just tools they don't have power tools so that's okay uh yeah. that's fine yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. anyway so um closure stuff so most of the stuff that you worked on uh, you said that those are web applications um can you give us some idea about what kind of uh, uh, libraries that you used or what kind of stack it was well it's almost always then uh, on the front end some closure script and on the back end uh, closure and whenever mm-hmm. that was uh, for an actual <laughs> actual company then it was usually some sort of a ring composure at the back end usually to like a postgres mm-hmm. database in the front yeah. end closure script uh, yeah. i used ohm like the oh. original ohm not the ohm next yeah. Or on previous. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Only before or something. <laughs> yeah, that's mostly the. Mm. Yeah, that's mostly it. I think on previous is the right way. Yeah, you have you have previous and next. Oh, ah, yeah, that works. I'll I'll, cu- I'll cut that. Okay. Yeah. <laughs> but DJ, over what happens you. <laughs> if you get the next next ohm? Yeah, it's next so next the- next. Yeah, it's a Windows then, isn't it? it should be just, uh, oh. Windows. Because you just have to keep on clicking next, next, next. <laughs> <laughs> oh, wizard. And, and then finally cancel. Anyway. But, um, yeah, then, then you get the blue screen of death. Yeah. yeah. Uninstall. So, um, this has become like bashing everything episode. <laughs> Don't worry, we're not, we're not started yet. <laughs> <laughs> so... Uh, home for any of the commercial projects or just your uh, side project or something? No, this was for a commercial project. Okay, so how was your experience with that one? Because it, I think um, uh, right now you said you recently built a tool called CRepple and I saw that you built it using Reframe and uh, Reagent, I think. So can you contrast this experience with Ohm? Oh, yeah. Uh, well, uh, of course, reframe and uh, it has a very g- nice guide, and that all came after Ohm. So we used Ohm when mm-hmm. it was very new at that time. Yep. So there were, in Ohm, it was a lot of uh, getting used to the cursors uh, in particular, but we yeah. did manage to get uh, get up uh, the thing like from nothing to like working in like a month. So that worked quite well. But Ohm looked uh, it was very uh, yeah. How at one point, it got a bit messy in the Ohm thing. It could also have been us, but 
just this whole cursor thing and like how to structure yeah. the whole application that was not uh, not readily uh, apparent to us. And then, uh, like yeah. you said, I use Reframe, and there it's quite easy to uh, to see how to structure the program <coughs> because they have like a long guide where for each piece of what you might want to do, call out to an external servers, have state somewhere, yeah. they all tell you where to put it. So mm. yeah, then you can just follow along, I guess. Okay. So um, you also had some, last time you were talking a bit about uh, how to build applications using Pedestal, right? Yes. So you have uh, used it, on, I think, on side projects or, or on commercial projects, uh, uh, Pedestal framework? Pedestal I've used only on side projects. Okay. Like I said, all the commercial okay. projects would always be a ring and then composure. Okay. So what is, the, what is the fundamental advantage of Pedestal then, or at least from your point of view? Well, having used Ring and Composure a lot, there's the Pedestal has a lot of stuff in it already, which okay. I always start to look for when you uh, use Ring and Composure for a while. So the basics is the like the two-way route definition. So you don't uh, you can give every route a name, and if you make a link to any path you have yourself, you can just call that by name. It's a pretty mm. uh, default thing you would want. BD has that as yeah. well, for instance. Yeah. yeah. And also what I uh, Whenever I get started on a, on a web project, particularly if it's just Ring, you need a bunch yeah. of default stuff in there. Like maybe you just have like a Hello World index page, but then the content yeah. type is not even set up properly to serve HTML or what have you, or the CSS file comes in with a MIME type, I don't know. And in Pedestal, mm -hmm. a lot of that stuff is already like, the basics are already in there, yeah. secure headers and what have you. So, okay. uh, yeah, I've... I'm just thinking like maybe pedestal will be like the common thing that we'll always use as a basis for a web app. So that's why I started to look into that. Okay. So it's, it's more uh, like a out of the box experience is better than composing different libraries together. Something like that. Yes. Because I okay. mean, the promise is always like enclosure. We don't have frameworks. You just combine yeah. libraries, but yeah. I always find that uh, you need to combine a lot of libraries. And how to combine those is not always uh, that apparent to me, at least. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, what do you, what do you think about the new framework called Arachne or something? Yeah, well, that is still in the in the going, right? The the crowdsourced one called Arachne or Web. Yeah, I, th I think yes, you pronounce it Arachne. Yeah, yeah. I've looked into yeah. the first. Uh, they did. There was like a like a little bit of like pre-alpha release of that. Yeah. 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 But. Uh, what it seems to do, or like one of the focuses, I'm not sure if I use the same language that they use, but it's all about having components and having them be replaceable and how to configure those. But that's not really a problem I run into a lot. What, I, mm. uh, what I'm always hoping for, like if any, anything gets announced, like a new web thing for Clojure, I always hope it's like, a, like some sort of ORM standard solution. Uh, okay, to connect to the database and yeah. Something like, uh, well, perhaps not Active Record, but something like that. Acto so you, Elixir is quite nice. So I think. You, you think that you've been uh, been infected by Ruby on Rails? Well, uh, you know, in Ruby on Rails, you could build like a, a blog in 15 minutes, or whatever the promise was. And I think in Clojure, it's, uh, well, I always need like at least a day to set all the basics up before I can even, <laughs> right, right, yeah, <laughs> even yeah. get started with like a safer comment for a blog post. <clears throat> like. Yeah. <laughs> what I do now but is just your, uh, what I do now is just get an no, old project ahead. and rename everything and start from that. But 
There's not really a <laughs> standard <laughs> start from scratch uh, solution there. Yeah. But for com- compared to the Ruby experience, because if, if you have done Ruby uh, Ruby on Rails recently, then obviously you, know, you have um, better tooling and all that stuff. Because I did some Ruby on Rails applications sometime in uh, 2008, I think. But uh, that was a that was a horrible experience for me because I had to deploy on IIS with the Windows with fast CGI and everything. So it was uh, hilarious. And it was Ruby on Rails, I think uh, 1.9 or just transitioning into 2. So, um, of course, even at that point, they have all these generators and everything, you know, that was uh, pretty useful. But um, what, what is your what is your experience between comparing Rails development versus the different types of closure web application development? Yeah, well, when I used it, it was in 2010, 2011, I think. So I don't even know okay. what Rails version we were on. But uh, probably three, I think. Three just started. Or, yeah. But it's mostly like uh, I know people, some people that use like PHP, and then I'm like, "Wow, how PHP!" <laughs> but then they show me their like their website, and it has an automatic admin toolbar at the bottom with debugging slow queries and all sorts of things. And then yeah. I'm like, "Well, I can use Closure on the front end and the back end, but I don't have a lot of uh, tools readily available that you would like to have." So, yeah. I think there's like a, a basis for, or maybe an expectation for a basis of web application development that it's not really available mm. in Clojure yet, that you would get in other languages, either Django in Python or Elixir or yeah. Ruby on Rails or something yeah. like that. Okay. And and of course, uh, that, that brings us to the latest um, thingy that's based on uh, uh, Pedestal that I think Ray was mentioning before. Um, was it Waze or Was, uh, whatever. Um, What's your what's your uh, intro to that one, Ray? I mean, you were, you were trying that out, or you heard about it? No, no, I haven't tried it out. No, I'm not. Okay. Uh, I, I, I'm unlike his. I'm not a huge. Uh, um, I, I don't know much about pedestal. I only know that it's kind of like you say, it's a, it's a framework, uh, batteries included. Um, whenever I've looked at it, I found it a bit awkward. I think the documentation is a little lacking. Um, <clears throat> So I've never really picked up on it and I've, I haven't seen much out in the wild with Pedestal either. Um, but I know the Cognitech guys are very keen on it. So you know, they're not idiots. So there must be something there. Um, but I'm just not feeling it myself yet. Um, but I know that <clears throat> this uh, thing that came out through the week was uh, VARS or VARS. I say VARS, so screw it. That's what we'll go with. You can go with what you want. I'm going with VARS. Um, and VARS is... Um, like a declarative um, data description style thing to to make the atomic databases visible on the internet, which I think is this ORM thing you're talking about, I guess, Chris. Well, sort of. Whenever something like that is announced, I always hope it's like a, a little bit like Ecto from Elixir, but then for Clojure. But then it always turns out to be not that. So Ecto is like uh, the active record for Elixir, and it seems to look quite nice. And I've I've played around with it a very little bit, but then Vase is something slightly different. Like you say, it's like mostly like exposing Datomic easily in web routes on Pedestal, I suppose. And even with Arachne, as uh, VJ mentioned earlier, they have something called Chimera or something that might be in yeah, like this next Chimera, version, yeah. which also perhaps is yeah. something like that. Uh, we have to wait and see, but. I'm always looking for, hoping mm. that something is like that. And then Vase, again, turned out to be something else, which is not really uh, yeah, a, a 
I haven't used the, or I'm not using the Atomic at the moment and I don't have to expose it to the web. So yeah, I don't okay. have no use for it at the moment. So, so if you're, so, if you're using say Postgres or something like that, what do you do? You use Honey SQL or do you use some kind of closure thing that sits on top of Postgres or do you just go raw JDBC? Well, the closure.java.jdbc, that works great. But that is just uh, you type in your SQL query strings, right? So. Right, right, yeah. Yeah, I think the Honey SQL is one of the nicest libraries ever, right? I mean, it's, it's the it's the like post decessor for, I don't know, can you call it post decessor? No. I don't know. Screw it. The so follow-up? <laughs> yeah, the follow-up for, uh, for SQL. Y-E-S-SQL, right? Yeah. Is that I the one with were, the uh, SQL and the separate files? Exactly. Yeah. 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 That, that's 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 nice because it's 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 letting you write write your SQL queries like SQL queries and it is going to read them and then give you the closure equivalent closure functions based on the comments that you put in. So that, that that's pretty sweet. Then uh, you don't need to worry about this whole ORM thing or how to get the data back or whatever. So. Um, you can just use uh, some closure, not closure, but some sort of a um, tokens in the in the in the query, and then it will automatically detect that okay, this is the function name that I'm going to generate for this query, and you know whether there is an insert query or update query, and that's a, that's a really nice take on um, on interacting with the databases. So that's pretty yeah. cool. I think that when you're doing all the JDBC by hand, you've got to be quite careful about um, SQL injection attacks and things like that. Whereas if you use some kind of uh, intermediary framework where you're not generating the where clauses yourself, um, I think you've got a, it's a simpler world for you. You know, it's a simpler, more secure place. Well, if you use uh, closure.java.jdbc, you usually use uh, prepared statements. Yeah. So you use the question marks in your query strings and then specify the arguments after. So you're not really splicing strings together. That would be uh, not mm. a great idea. Oh, okay, okay. Because normally with these prepared statements, you do have these. Well, you can also have dynamic where clauses. Uh, you sometimes need that. If everything's fixed, then okay, fair enough. You know, you don't need that. You're just putting in parameters. Um, but but often for user style queries, you do want to add additional things at runtime. But not in your experience. Okay, fair enough. You know, I, I would be, I would be cautious about using. You know, the raw JDBC for that kind of stuff. You'd want to, you know, be a lot more careful there. But if everything's fixed, of course, you're right. Okay. Uh, let's talk about what you're working on these days. So we just saw a tweet or, you know, blog post, I think, a couple of days ago. You were talking about um, uh, C Repl, or how do you pronounce that one, by the way? When I was I was just cutting short of myself saying it crapple or so. Oh, I I call it crapple. So. Okay, so then from the source it's called crapple. Yes. <laughs> so so what is it about and how did you build it? Well, like I said, I I had a, a freelance gig until the end of uh, last year, and then uh, I had some uh, extra free time. I'm always I was always uh, I like things like Firebase and Firebase has something called Firepad. It's like an Etherpad slash Google Docs type uh, thing. And yeah. then I also ran into something called uh, GoMix. I don't know if you guys have seen that mm -hmm. from uh, the Trello and Stack Overflow guys, which is also yeah. like a collaborative editor for applications that run continuously and update continuously based on Node.js. I think. 
Yeah. And that looked interesting. So uh, then I thought like, well, uh, I also saw that you can self-host ClojureScript. So you can run ClojureScript and compile ClojureScript in your in your browser. So I thought, well, mm-hmm. let's see if we can combine the two. And that's where yeah. that's what became Crapple in the end. Okay, so for the people who don't know, what exactly is Crapple? So Crapple is, well, maybe like it's a Google Docs, but then for ClojureScript. So mm-hmm. uh, everybody who's looking at, is, who's on the same URL sees the same code. And if uh, you type, everybody else's code gets updated at the same time. So you can work collaboratively on the same code. And then because okay. it's ClojureScript, you can also actually run it in your browser. Ah, sweet. So it's it's like a um, Google Wave sort of thingy. Like a long time ago, we had Google Wave, which disappeared into into internet. Yeah. Well, I've never used that, but I did see it when I was looking into uh, what's it called operational transforms or something. Okay. Google Waves get mentioned a lot. Okay, yeah. So how do you how do you go on? Sorry, Vijay, go on. No, no, no. Go ahead. Sorry. I was just going to ask you about that. How do you? Uh, what's your uh, logic for? Uh, for making sure the sequence of keystrokes from the different users is all kind of respected, or, or how do you do that? Well, basically, you use the approach that uh, Firepad uses as well, and that is uh, basically as like a, a dumb server and then a bit smarter front end. So you basically you have like a, a sequence of operations or like a log of changes to the document. So whenever you type something, that is a change that you send to the server, and then uh, if you are the next edit, yours wins. And if you send a change to the server and your somebody else already did something before you, then your change loses. It gets transformed on the client side into how it can be the next next change. And then you try again. And then, uh, well, that continuously. And the idea is that not everybody will be typing forever. So at some point, your change will actually be, uh, will win, let's say, gets added to the log, and then uh, the whole thing starts again. Right. So it's uh, operational transforms. The actual transformation, if it needs to happen, is on the client side, and it's not on the server side. Hmm. Okay. So this is um, open source code, or uh... well, I've not open sourced the uh, Crapple, but there are other uh, OT implementations uh, okay. available okay. online so so and tutorials as well. What's your what is your plan for this one? So com- compared to Clips, so Clips is not multi-user, right? Is that the difference between Clips and this one? Uh, yeah, I don't think Clips is a multi-user. That's more, uh, okay. and I think there, uh, you see it a lot on blog posts, yeah. so it's like uh, embedded as well. So you can like okay. add little code snippets on your blog and people can play around with it already there. Okay. Well, I, I, I played with it and it has Emacs uh, command, so I think I'm, I'm happy already with this thing. <laughs> so that's pretty cool. So I can do Control N, Control P, you know, perfect. So this is the best editor ever already. <laughs> so can you give us some insight into how did you build it and what are your plans for this one? So what kind of libraries and first the idea was like uh, first it was just to see if I could get operational transforms uh, to work. You know, just a mm-hmm. just a nice algorithm I think, or at least I was curious as to like okay, how does that work and. Can I make that work? So it was just fun. Yeah. And then, uh, I don't know if you know, but uh, operational transforms, you have uh, one version for like rich text. If you have nice annotations, like you can add a link or maybe a highlight or something or a bulleted list. Mm-hmm. If you want to do use operational transform for that, you need, there's a lot of special cases because if you press enter after a bullet list, what happens? 
But the, mm -hmm. the easy uh, operational transforms is defined just for plain text. It's just characters and perhaps new lines and that's it. And that's the easy version. And that's the one I, I use. And you can use that for closure script because operational transforms doesn't need to know anything about closure script. So then you have a closure script code that multiple people can see. And then mm -hmm. it's fun, like, okay. And then you can actually compile it and run it in your browser because ClojureScript has self-hosting support now. Mm. So then you have those two things. And then it's the question, okay, if two people see the exact same code and they're running it as well, then, mm. uh, then what happens? Uh, usually, mm -hmm. if you run the same code, then you also see the same output. If you do a, like a simple uh, arithmetic thing, three plus four, then both people will say C7 if they both run it. But if you have more advanced or whatever fancy code, perhaps you use reagent or UI or something, then you actually have like state in your browser where not everybody will okay. see the same thing. And then yeah. so the final piece for Crapple was to uh, also connect those things. Like you do something in your browser, somebody else as well. How do you make sure that thing is still in sync? And that was mm. the, yeah, the final thing I wanted to tackle to see if, uh, yeah. You can write the code together, you can run it together, but can you also make sure you're actually looking at the same thing? Otherwise, it's uh, perhaps not that useful. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So what is the stack in this uh, application? What, what libraries and what is the wire uh, format that you're using to send the data in and out? Well, the wire is just, uh, it's mostly just WebSockets. And then just, mm -hmm. uh, first I thought maybe transit over WebSockets or something binary, but in the end it's just, uh, print string and read string uh, EDN over the <laughs> okay, texter cool. WebSocket version. Uh, the editor is uh, CodeMirror, which is, uh, uh, so that's already taken care of basically. That's a very nice, uh, very nice library. And then on the front end, a uh, reframe as well. Uh, mm -hmm. Well, that's about it for the ingredients, I suppose. Okay. And and the backend, do you have um, pedestal or? Yes. So that's okay. a pedestal. But as I said, the service quite dumb, let's say. It doesn't do, uh, do a whole lot. So this whole conflict resolution is only, uh, it's only to see in the database, is this next up the next one in line or not? Mm -hmm. So it's like a compare and okay. swap type thing. And that's okay. about as smart as it is on the back end. And so the it, doesn't, it doesn't do like the authentication stuff yet? Well, there is authentication, but, you, but uh, you can log in with any username and it, yeah. it assumes that you are actually that person. <laughs> So I could okay. add some yeah, yeah. password thing there, but it's the MongoDB it's version of authentication. <laughs> are, are this like the Lord of the Rings thingy? You know, say your name and enter. You know, like yeah, yeah. Or say friend and enter, and that's it. Yeah, I'm I'm a friend, and then that's it. Okay, please come in. That's fine. Well, for the uh, OT conflict <laughs> handling, you do need to know like, did I send it myself or did somebody else send it? So you need some sort of identity. But I didn't yeah. want to build in this whole like password and username thing, so yeah. I settled on any username uh, is good. Okay, and um, all this code is is stored on disk, or where do you store this one? So if I create a, so I just created a new uh, notebook, whatever you want to call it, um, and I have it now, and I'm using it. So this will be stored on in some database. The, yes. the code that I'm typing in. Okay, yeah, the database stores, stores uh, these OT-type uh, transforms. So that says, like, insert this character or delete that character, and a whole sequence of them. Wow. So whenever you go okay. to a URL that's already, uh, and something already happened, then the, the server does uh, go through all these edits and construct, like, the whole file for you. 
Okay, so it's like a um, CQRS system then. So you're keeping the log of the whole thing. Yeah. Okay. And and which database are you using in the backend? Yeah, uh, so Postgres. Ah, cool. Okay. So what what are your plans for this one? What do you want to do with this thingy later? Is it just a fun project, or do you want to take it somewhere? Or well, uh, the idea was just to do it for fun. So I I thought like well maybe January I'll spend on this. So I slightly overshot that by a couple of weeks. Yeah. But uh, everything that I wanted to put in there is now in there. Particularly the last thing to uh, connect the UI. So you see the same state is in there as well. So yeah, for mm. now, uh, of course, I have an endless list of things that could be better or nice to add. But <laughs> I really do have to look for a job. So <laughs> <laughs> That's true. Um, so th- there's also a chat thing in that one. So everything is going through the same WebSocket. Or how is the WebSocket, um, what do you call, uh, the, the protocol, uh, how did you define that one? Is it like a command that goes to the backend that says this is a chat message or what kind of messages you're... you're well, over the WebSockets are just, uh, those are vectors with a keyword. And then for mm-hmm. chat, it's uh, something like, uh, I don't know, chat slash message, I suppose. Okay. And actually for the chat, uh, I don't save any of that. So it okay. just gets sent out immediately to whoever is on the same URL. Okay, so it's a Snapchat. It's not actually real chat. <laughs> yeah, that, I was also thinking like, does it even need chat? Because you're sharing a yeah, text yeah. file, right? You could actually type it. Exactly, I can type in there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I just noticed that. I was like, okay, why would I do that? But I'm um, sure, why not? You know, why not? Yeah, I thought maybe some side channel to keep your code clear. Who knows? But <laughs> it was also the okay. first thing I built just to check if the WebSockets worked. So that's uh, perhaps why it's in there at all. Yeah. Perhaps this is something that you mentioned already, right? Is it something um, similar to the new company by um, uh, by the Joel Spolsky uh, company? Yeah, GoMix. That's what I said. Yes. So that's G O M I X. Yeah, I think so. So they they have similar kind of thing, right? But but a bit more like build your entire application in the browser sort of thingy. Yeah, what they have so, is uh, whenever you type something, it it gets synced to they host the code for you as well. So some sort yeah, of VM like or Docker or something. Yeah. So there's like an actual yeah. application running on the web that mm. everybody can go to. And you, yeah, mm. that's what you're, you're building. I didn't, mm. uh, I think that's interesting too, but I don't want to host random applications and I don't even know how to make that work. So, but that was, <laughs> okay. uh, that was how I got thinking like, oh, this would be cool to do with ClojureScript. And yeah. then I sort of thought yeah. like, that just push everything to the client side and not put too much on the backend. So that's how it ended up where it is right now. But I was really- But you see, uh, just go on, sorry. Yeah. No, that was it. I, I do. Uh, GoMix looked uh, very interesting. So, yeah, because uh, I think Amazon just bought a new uh, bought an online editor as well. Um, the end of last year um, for for their uh, environment. So this whole online editing space is uh, quite hot right now. I think. So maybe you should just go over to Silicon Valley here and just say, "Look, give me twenty million guys." No, sorry, two hundred million. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, you'll get paid back, no problem. Yeah, when when Microsoft buy me out in a year's time for a billion, yeah, I'll, I'll just, sign up you for can that. have that. You can have that on me. Okay. Okay. Could yeah. you maybe do the negotiations and then? Uh... <laughs> yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll definitely pitch in the second round. Yeah. Oh, cool. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do like I uh, anybody... the GoMix guys when uh, at one of the announcement blog posts, it actually said like <clears throat> when you got started with uh, with uh, with building stuff on the web, you could just view source and then 
and then change a bit, uh, play around, and then it would immediately work. And I did the same thing mm. when I was, uh, well, let's say a bit younger as well. There was also <laughs> some, like a website called uh, like Dynamic HTML or something that showed all these fancy features of HTML. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Like all sorts of things moving around and stuff. Yeah. And I did that too. There was like a, a guy who made some games with JavaScript and you could actually just you know, see the source, play around with it, change some things. So that's, and then just run it. Yeah, that's... Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. Cool stuff. So you'll be talking about um, Kreppel at Dutch Closure Days then. Yeah, well, this is, I always have this with when conferences come around. Like there's stuff I want to talk about, but I'm still actually working on it. So I don't want to commit to like <laughs> do a talk about it because then there's a deadline. <laughs> so this was the same thing. Yeah. Like, this was almost done. And then I saw like a final call for papers or something. So it's like, yeah. well, a lightning talk. That's the amount of commitment I can already commit to right now. So uh, yeah. I sent it in last minute, like, oh, I want to sh- at least show this. And I yeah. got selected, so I'll, uh, I'll do uh, 15 minutes, I think it is, maybe 10. Yeah, I think 15 minutes talk, yeah. So, of course, I mean, I, I, I was also part of the DCD organization uh, thingy, so uh, it's, it's nice to see you again at the, at the talk, sorry, at the, at the event. So, um, so um, the next thing that I wanted to ask you is, is so what are you what are you looking at these days in closure i mean is there something exciting or did you look at um, the the specs or you know th- these kind of things well one thing I, I wanted to do with grapple i thought like well this will be the one i'll use spec for everything right because i can just try and, uh, and see uh, particularly for the operational transform thing i thought well i'll just spec all these ops right and then the algorithm uh, everything will be valid and then it should be fine and i can even generate yeah, yeah. test cases so that would be quite good but that, uh, that was the plan. And then also perhaps to uh, spec everything that would uh, go over the WebSocket. That was also yeah. a plan, but uh, I have not <laughs> done yet done that yet. What I did end okay. up using a lot is uh, test.check. Ah, okay. Oh, okay. Like generative testing. Cool. Yeah, because I was thinking, like, uh, you just spec an operational transform uh, mm-hmm. action or function or whatever, and then you yep. generate uh, 10,000 test cases. But it turns out that... Uh, okay. All these operations are a little bit uh, dependent on each other, let's say. So there's a some uh, there's a property for operational operational transforms which says if you have a, a a text and then you have an operation A and then you apply that and then you have an operation B which comes after you apply that that should be the same if you apply the composition of A and B to the text immediately. That's like a property that holds always. And then to uh, if you were to have a generator for just an operation that would not necessarily be a valid operation A or a valid operation B, because in operational operational transforms, I'm just going to say OT from now on, you need to make sure that the, the operation is always specified over the whole length of the text. So you have like sort of like a meta parameter that you have to adhere to. So you have maybe a text of 10 characters, then your operation A needs to be an operation from 10 characters to another number. And then B needs to be from that number to another number. Okay. So I have these test cases that first generate a basis text, then mm-hmm. an operation that conforms to these, uh, is at least that long to some other length, and then an operation mm-hmm. B from that length to another length, and then this property you can, can test. So these actual, if I were to spec just an operation or a transform by itself, that would not immediately yeah. be useful to use in this uh, test, because you need like this meta parameter of the change size or the original size of the text to build these operations. So in the end, I used uh, test.check a lot, but yeah. uh, spec uh, less than I thought it would. 
Okay. And um, so last time uh, we were discussing with uh, Malcolm Sparks from uh, from Jext uh, at some point, and he was describing the Yada framework. And I know that you you played with it as well. Um, you, you built a wiki or something on using Yada. Yes. So so what what was your impression of Yada? Yeah. So I, uh, both Malcolm Sparks and uh, the guy who uh, wrote Liberator. They also did like a, a, a little talk on at Euroclosure. So I was like, oh, I have to look into that again because I have used Liberator, mm -hmm. but I did not use Yada yet. Mm -hmm. And then the wiki was just, uh, well, I needed a, at least a project, something to build. And the Atomic Client yeah. was released in the same time. So I put all that together and used it at the same time. Yeah. And Yada, well, I, I like the idea of uh, particularly Web Machine, which is like the origin for both Liberator and Yada. And then Yada had uh, async support, mm -hmm. and I was like, uh, up to now I hadn't really needed that, but because I use Datomic Client, then you, for every request, I also have to do another request to Datomic Client. So uh, every request that comes in that you want to handle also is mm -hmm. perhaps blocking, or you need to do other requests and wait for the result to come back. So that was a good fit to try this async stuff. Mm -hmm. So that's why I just, uh, yeah, I tried to, to use it. But what I have with Yada and Liberator as well is that uh, in all the closure work I've done, rarely did people care that all the particulars of HTTP handling were there, like language yeah. negotiations and the more esoteric yeah. uh, features of HTTP. I mean, it's always uh, you need proper content types and what have you. And if you want e-text, mm -hmm. it's nice if there's a default way to do this. But I don't know, that's... Mm -hmm. uh, Perhaps if you make some APIs, that's very useful, but I've I've never run into a, a use case where that was, where was a very strict requirement. So, so this was the Yada project was also just for fun and to look around to see what's okay. possible in Clojure. Yeah, but I think probably, probably again, like Mal Malcolm's goal is to have a kind of batteries included framework, whether you need the batteries or not, I guess, <laughs> you know, that's... A <laughs> Well, what I always find, I've, I've, I've tried this a couple of times as well, is where you have like Liberator and Yada are both like, a, let's say, API-oriented uh, backend things. But I usually build like uh, HTML pages that human humans use. So if you post a form, that is something different than doing a post uh, from like a curl thing or something. Because uh, mm. if you if you submit a form, most users would expect the form to come back and then the fields that are not correct uh, in red or something. And if it succeeds, you want to land at the page of the thing you just created or maybe the index page with an update message or something like that. Whereas if you follow like maybe like a, a REST form API type structure, then you return a 201 that nobody knows what to do with or maybe you return mm -hmm. like a 400 that yeah, users don't care. So I always find a little bit, a bit of a mismatch building like user-facing websites on top of like API frameworks, let's say. Yeah. I think that the trouble with HTTP is that every player in the HTTP world is so lenient about standards and stuff. So the browsers really don't care. I mean, they're like, sure, I'm going to render everything. Throw, throw anything to me, I'm fine. I'm just going to deal with it. And there is a lot of craft built up on that one. So it's very difficult to get into like a structured way of everybody agreeing to the same standard. So I think that's, that's a tricky part. Is that true though, really? I mean, mm -hmm. because isn't, doesn't, doesn't Ruby on Rails actually do all that kind of stuff? 
You know, it does mm. all these four hundreds and four oh ones. No, no, no. It's, it's not just two oh ones. So I'm not quite sure what you're getting at there, Kesri. Really. No, um, well, what I would it's like. Not just uh, a, oh, sorry, Fiji, but uh, what I often need to build is the. Well, I say a lot of people. If you build like a website that users use, the thing I need is like a form with data in it, and I need to submit the form. I need to validate it. Perhaps the form gets shown again with fields that are invalid. You go through this whole cycle until it's allowed and then you store it somewhere and then you redirect uh, somebody to somewhere that is like a basic flow but all these api uh libraries don't have that included i don't think so hmm. yeah anyway well I, so I think i think he would argue that he does but okay fair enough let him <laughs> when he, maybe he's picked this one up in the chat <laughs> But I think you're right. What's interesting about it is that um, is that people argue, the HTTP people um, always argue about the fact that, for instance, you know, web forms, web, web forms themselves are kind of a weird um, API because all you can do with those web forms is like you, you can post, but you can't delete, for instance. They haven't got a full, the web forms are not very good semantically. That that seems to be the bit of the web which is still in its infancy. Given, I mean, like you say, its importance in e-commerce can't be overstated, you know. But but it's actually very immature, the web form itself. Yeah, I usually just use uh, get and post. I don't even use like puts and deletes and things because usually you just have to add like a hidden field for that to match yeah, the method my point. or something. You know, it's so crazy, yeah. You 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 can't you can't do all of the HTTP things you'd like to do with the standard web forms. That's what I mean, yeah. yeah. But also, you uh, often in Rails projects, or I see that in Elixir projects as well, that they have like a, they have a path that get handled for like browser access and paths for API. Oh. So those things are actually, okay. uh, yeah, two different things because the flow, I think, for APIs is just a little bit different than it would be for like mm. a, a web form or something. So, and uh, yeah, putting those together is just... Uh, I think you can, but it's uh, yeah, perhaps a bit tedious or inconvenient. Okay. Um, I think I'm done with my questions, I think. Ray, do you have any questions or comments? Um, well, no, I think it's all, I mean, the Kreppel stuff is awesome. Um, I think that's really good stuff. And, uh, you know, I think, I think uh, anyone that employs you to do the web sort of stuff, Ches, will be um, will be very happy that they've got an expert on board, that's for sure. Um, you know, no, I think I think you're doing great work there. So yeah, thanks very much for for coming coming around, coming in, coming on, you know, <laughs> and uh, telling us a bit about what you've done. Um, it's nice actually to to talk to someone in in the neighbourhood in in Europe who's done something which has got a bit of global attention, you know, in the closure <laughs> community. So congratulations on that. You know, and I hear you've got, you know, more than like three retweets now. So that's doubly awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I'm pretty sure yeah, one was from Almere, which is like 20 kilometers from here. So I'm not sure about the global reach of it yet. But <laughs> we'll just pretend you've went through the Twitter servers. So we'll call that global, you know. <laughs> exactly. And also the thing is, you know, it's the internet currency. So, you know, three, tweet, three retweets. Wow, awesome. Yeah. But um, yeah, I mean, as Ray was saying, thanks a lot for coming on. And, and I know that in a couple of days, you're going to talk about uh, Krapel at uh, Amsterdam Closure Meetup. Uh, I think by the time we put out the episode, it'll be in the, in the past, but still. Um, and um, yeah, uh, I will uh, see you at the Dutch Closure Day. 
which is uh, going to happen on 25th of March. And um, we just published the agenda. And of course, uh, Ray will be there as well. I somehow lobbied um, <laughs> into annoying people that uh, Ray will be doing the same deaf joke thing that we did at, um, at Euro Closure. I saw the first one. So I, I'm expecting all new material. Okay, you're yeah, already in pressure yeah, now. Well, <laughs> the world has moved on since then, so <laughs> there's plenty of material around. Don't worry. You know, <laughs> I'm, I'm definitely I'm working on it. Yeah, it will be. Uh, there will definitely be updates. Yeah. You know. <laughs> so yeah, I mean, I'm 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 part of the organization of Dutch Closure Day, and uh, we are almost I think um, uh, ran out of the places and uh, well the tickets, well quote unquote tickets. Uh, so I think by in uh, a couple of hours ago, I think we we are left with uh, 18 spots and now 12. So uh, hopefully, I think um, uh, I'll see some of the people who are listening to this uh, podcast there as well. Because uh, as we keep on saying, Dutch Closure Day is the um, what what do you call the place that the genesis? The yes, genesis, the genesis, yeah. the source, the, the brawn. Yes, yeah. the brawn, uh, the brawn of um, of uh, Defen. So it would be nice to see, uh, you know, familiar faces again there. And uh, we have a great schedule. Uh, James Reeves is coming there to talk about um, transparency through data and the rest of the talks are pretty amazing. Uh, of course, our special guest tonight, Chais, uh, is going to talk about Kreppel. Um, I don't know, by the time I think you might want to show some code or, but we'll, we'll, we'll just keep it under the wraps and then we see uh, there. So that's um, pretty much it uh, from us, I think, for this episode. Yeah. Right, brilliant. Yeah, thanks a yeah. lot. Thanks a lot, Hess. And uh, thank you, VJ. And uh, thank you, everybody. See ya. Yeah. Bye. Thanks, guys. Bye bye. Bye, guys. Okay, wouldn't be uh, nice for us to end without saying thanks to all the people that help us. So thanks very much to Kasseri for the music. Thanks very much to Luboff for the design. And also to Wouter for all the mixing and fixing all the glitches. Cheers, mate. And cheers, peeps. to save the audio recording. Let's yeah. uh <laughs>